The Arizona Cardinals gave their fans a big lump of coal for Christmas with a loss to the Indianapolis Colts at home, 22-16. Arizona Cardinals are reeling now, and the most polarizing topic in the Valley, Cliff Kingsbury. Who's to blame? Is it the Arizona Cardinals head coach for the most recent slide? You know we have our opinions on it. We're delivering them here. Plus, our final takeaways from that disastrous Christmas night loss for the Cardinals, it's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays from us here at Locked on Cardinals. Despite the loss, we're not going to take away from our, uh, our our holiday cheer. We are going to get into some uh, interesting debates as we did post-game. You can check out our post-game reaction podcast, of course, wherever you find podcasts or check out the uh, YouTube episode there. But uh, we appreciate you making Locked on Cardinals your first listen in 2021 and then 2022 as that's uh, quickly approaching here at the end of the week. Bo Brock, Alex Clancy, follow along on Twitter at LockdownAZCards, at Bob Brock, easiest way to find me, and follow Alex at Clancy's Corner. We are a podcast divided on how we feel and who we feel is to blame for the Arizona Cardinals' most recent slide. If you look at the uh, statistics, if you look at the Arizona Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury, if you follow his career closely, this is kind of the norm. He kind of just fades away at the end of the season and the Arizona Cardinals seem to be doing that with two games to play the team 10 and 5 needs some help to clinch that playoff berth as they haven't been able to control their own destiny Alex yeah I mean it's like an Instagram model he's dating every year first half of the season everything's going great second half of the season it's that three-month mark and we're like nah this probably isn't working out the Arizona Cardinals are the newest Instagram model that Cliff Kingsbury is dating stamp it I don't even know where I came up with that. Um, yeah, it's 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 not all Cliff's fault. We'll talk about it more in depth, and it will get more and more uncomfortable if the Cardinals continue to slide. They can clinch a playoff spot today. We're recording this before Sunday games, so we'll show everything that happens. We're going to post this today, later today, so everybody gets their content a little early due to the Saturday night game. Um, Cardinals can still clinch a playoff spot, but there's a lot of uncomfortable conversations that we're going to continue to have to have, whether it be about Kyler Murray, Steve Keim, the other players on the field, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, uh, or just Cliff Kingsbury himself. And you're right, Bo and I are somewhat divided. I was really heated last night um, because it's just a reminder of what we've seen over the course of the uh, tenure of Cliff Kingsbury. Very important moments. He hasn't been able to come through for his team with the right play calls. And, and I and I disagree. And we're going to try to keep it. Is is is? Uh, <laughs> I'm calm know, today. Calm. I haven't had my coffee yeah. yet, so I'm right. good. I did that on purpose. Be a little bit more level headed. I appreciate that. I've got a teething son, and uh, coffee was uh, <laughs> just put it into my veins at this point. I'm I'm eating coffee grounds at this point, just trying to stay awake and listen to co- you know Clancy's takes at this point. But mm. you know, it, I, I and we're gonna get into it. I, I promise you, we're gonna I, let's hear a few takeaways from from the game on on Saturday night where the Arizona Cardinals, Cardinals fall to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I don't think players are, are, are executing. I don't think that they're making big plays. And when you look at a slump like this, it doesn't. It's not just one one person to blame for this. It's it's the entire organization. And I mean, it starts at the top. I mean, we're talking about you know for Michael Bidwell and what 
how he's held his general manager accountable and how his general manager has navigated the draft and how he's made decisions and free agency and trades and how it's impacting the team late in the season. How, yeah, you can look at it as, as a honeymoon scenario. The honeymoon is over. The 10 and 2 start happened. And now, you know, things are getting real. Now, now you're starting to try to, uh, uh, figure out what your finances are with your with your loved one and you figure out their credit sucks and you know you're gonna have to figure out you know how you're going to live and, and you're arguing a lot now you just have to start to figure out how you can be successful going forward because what's happened has happened at this point and you're failing and you're a failure in progress and it's going to take a herculean effort on everybody in that locker room to figure it out and write this ship and it doesn't get any easier because i think a lot of people say the dallas cowboys are maybe even a tougher task than the Indianapolis Colts, who are short-handed on Saturday night. I mean, that was just another game, Alex, where the Arizona Cardinals had their opportunities and then immediately shot themselves in the foot. I mean, there was a there was a moment in that game where you thought, "Hey, not only could they were they up a point, thirteen to twelve, in that contest, they had the ball and they had a chance to kind of pile on and extend their lead and maybe run away with that." And they completely f- just fell on their face. They went three yeah. and out. Indianapolis immediately took advantage of it. Uh, and the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, th- there was a, still a chance late in that game. This is the 41-yard miss from Matt Prater, who missed, all, you know, what was it, all three of his kicks? It, well, he, he did hit on one point after touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. he missed this 41-yarder that would have put the Cardinals up 16-15 to 15 at that point. And I mean, talk about just absolutely just devastating a, a team and crushing any kind of momentum if you believe in that kind of thing. Uh, that that miss was huge. It, it was paramount as far as them falling short in this contest because yeah. it changed the entire complexion of that game. Carson Wentz goes down, which shouldn't happen, and puts his team pretty much over the top. And that's let's um, bring in the old adage: "There's a million different ways to skin a cat." I mean, sorry, PETA, but like what I remember for the Matt Prater kick was the second and four terrible play call of the end around to put the Cardinals in third and long when you were second and short, second and manageable. You could call any play in the playbook and you call a dipsy doodle circus play when you just need a first down. You got to get close, score a touchdown. It could change your whole season. It could bring it all the way back to positive town. Yet you run this dumb ass end around like you're up 30 points in the Pro Bowl and it doesn't make sense to me. That's what I remember. People are going to remember the kick. What I remember is the things leading up to the kick. So you're right. There are players that aren't performing the way they should. Absolutely. But the head coach's job is to put them in the best position possible to succeed and calling an end around on second and four when you need a sustained drive to put six on the board to, to go up a touchdown. It's like, why are you calling plays like that? Why do you continue to call plays like that? And it's the definition of insanity thinking he's going to do something different at this point. That was the play that stuck that sparked all of this for me. It's like, what are you doing? Why that play call at that time where the season can, the trajectory of the season can shift back to being one of the top teams in the NFC. Yet you do this dumb schoolyard bull crap when you need a first down. Well, I mean, that, I don't think that's you, overreacting. I there, don't think that's overreacting. There's a very famous game that happened at uh, State Farm Stadium Farm University of Phoenix Stadium that was Boise State in Oklahoma. And you mm-hmm. just get on those heaters where those trick, trick plays are working. And they had, in the previous drive, they had a special teams play. where That's not him, that's Jeff Rogers. Well, look, the team was was 
was vibing off that essentially it was it was christian kirk and uh you know he he fakes like he's going to receive the punt and byron murphy's on the other side of the field somehow it worked out where they get a big game they turn that into the at that point they take the lead on the on a touchdown on the neck on that drive and they had a couple trick plays on that so they were just they were feeling themselves i i can't just isolate one play if you're going to put one play, then why aren't you considering the kicks that that Prater missed? Because those were huge. Why aren't you considering the play that should have worked out on third and three on the in, on the game opening drive, where Christian Kirk, who's in a contract mm-hmm. year, who just like Cliff Kingsbury, I'm not going to deny what his track record is at the end of the season. Just like Cliff Kingsbury disappears at the end of the season. Like when Steve Kime considers who he's going to bring back, consider that AJ Green and Christian Kirk, you know pretty much disappeared. Like they're not stepping up in the absence of DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, I I think that that was a right play call. It was there. It was one-on-one. He was open. Kyler put a, dropped a dime and he dropped it. Like, where's the accountability as far as the players in this? Uh, Then you start to look at Steve Kime. Like he's the one that's making this roster decisions, putting those guys in place. I mean, that's why I think this stinks more than the head coach, I'm not going to give Cliff Kingsbury a complete hall pass here, but I'm not going to sit here and say, that was a bad second and four call. That cost them the game because they lost in all three phases on Saturday. Yeah, um, agreed, and we think just completely differently. With the Christian Kirk drop, why are you running a go route when you need a first down? It was there. One. It no, was there. Okay. That's, okay. that's a big play first down. That, okay, they do that. They did it with Zach Ertz. That's a play. They go deep on fourth down. It doesn't make any sense in the world. Sure, it's worked out a couple times, but more times than not, it doesn't. And also, another Matt Prater miss. We're kind of going, we're Tarantinoing it here. We're going from um, <laughs> forward to backwards, but the 50-plus the fifty plus yard field goal on fourth and three, you take the ball after you win the toss to change momentum, and that's when you choose to kick it and not go for it on fourth down? These are Cliff Kingsbury decisions that make no sense. That's the first time on fourth and that that they kicked it this year. After Matt Prater, like, Cliff Kingsbury is listening. He's reading the clippings. He's listening. He's too much into his own head. He's like, you know what? This will appease the masses. I'm going to kick it here because I didn't before. It's like starting a fantasy player after he went nuts when he was on your bench. That's exactly what we're looking at here. And I'm looking at the Cliff Kingsbury side. You're looking at the results side. But he's the puppet master. He's the one calling these plays that are putting his team in bad spots and tough positions to succeed. You know what? I almost almost think the opposite on this because I feel like he's like, look, these guys are professional. I've seen them be successful before. They're going to figure out the next play hasn't happened yet. I'm confident that they can figure it out. And he's just he's letting them letting it ride where he needs to get in somebody's ear. He needs to say, hey, Christian Kirk, you got to come up. I, figure it out, dude. You got to come up with that play. You got to help your quarterback out there. Professional wide receivers make that play. Matt Prater, I know it's, I, I'm not telling him to go Urban Meyer and give him a five out of 10 kick like he did to uh, Josh Lambeau that event, eventually got him fired. But go up there and say, hey, dude, you got to make kicks because it's, we, I mean, the only thing that's going to right this ship is guys executing and making big plays. Uh, I want to continue this conversation, but, you know, a more polarizing conversation than uh, Cliff Kingsbury these days is what's your favorite Built Bar at the holiday dinner table? It's because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar. It's like a great problem to have. I mean, which one do you like the best? People, they've got their opinions. 
And it's the best tasting protein bar. It tastes like a candy bar, but you're not cutting any corners as far as nutrition is concerned. You get all the healthy benefits and then some delicious, healthy, those two worlds colliding. And why not get a built bar to kick off your new year? Everybody's talking about new year, new me. Why not get that little, little boost by using the best tasting protein bar that's available? It gives you that extra fuel that will kick off your new year's goals. Built bar. It's going to give you low calories, low carbs, low fat, and it's going to give you high protein. That's what you want. So go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. Save yourself 15% on your first order. That's using the promo code LOCK15 for the best tasting protein bar on the market, Built Bar. This episode brought to you by our college football preview. Thanks for making Lockdown Cardinals, of course, your first listen. But make sure to check out the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview 2021. Local experts, betting advice, draft analysis, the most comprehensive college football playoff preview begins this Friday. The Arizona Cardinals, uh, I saw this on Twitter. I think Jess Rude had pointed it out. A couple other people were pointing it out that the Arizona Cardinals, I think they're like one and three since the Oklahoma rumors sprouted up about, about <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury. You think Oklahoma would want to hire Cliff Kingsbury now? Um, you think Cliff Kingsbury would want to go there more now is the question. Um, you know, I, listen, we joke. We, we go back and forth a lot about this. Both sides have very compelling arguments. Like, and, and you said, I mean, this is pretty, it's pretty, pretty split down the middle on Cliff. And then, you know, Kyler's starting to come into play a little bit more. There's... Kyler's not without blame here either. Like, I don't understand why people think just because we're talking about one thing. That's so Twitter. It's like point A. Yeah, but what about D, E, and F? We're not mm -hmm. talking about D, E, and F. We're talking about A, you numbskulls. Let, let's, and can I just do one blanket before we move on here? Yeah. Please don't be the fan base. I'm imploring you. We're, we're seeing, we heard State Farm Stadium as loud as it's been probably since the playoff game in 2015 last night, which is fantastic, number one. But please don't be the fan base that blames the refs and the here we go again Stockholm syndrome on the Cardinals. Please don't blame those things. Please be better than that because that's all I'm saying. Oh, it's the refs' fault. It's their fault. No, it's the Cardinals' fault because they stink over the wow. last six weeks. I, I think just, across the I think across the board, just as a product, the officiating is bad. Of course it is, but that's yeah. for everybody. And also right. injuries. Every team is injured. This time of year, no. the Cardinals have played three teams this year and lost all three that were ravaged by injury. I guess loosely defined with the Packers, but the Lions and the Colts having what 50%, 60% of their starters not play. And the Cardinals put up 28 points combined in those two games. That's a, that's a systemic thing. They, that's they not anybody the, else's fault. They lost to the Rams without Jalen Ramsey. I mean, there were game yeah, day. That's right. That's guys right. that didn't play against them. Darius Leonard. I mean, it's a long list. The Green Bay Packers, there was a long, long list. And you're like, oh, this this bodes well for the Cardinals. Like, they, <laughs> they should, this, this should be a win. And they lose. They lost oh, to the Packers. They lost about the, the Rams one. They lost to the Rams. Yeah. There was there were several key guys that were missing. And, you know, that's that's just not taking advantage. And that's great teams do that. And that's that's the big difference. I mean, that's a huge difference between where the Arizona Cardinals were at the beginning of the season and where just great teams live and thrive and where they are right now. They're just, they're not, they're, they're in an absolute slump. And as far as Kyler Murray is concerned, I thought early in the game yesterday, compared to the last two games, Kyler Murray was great 
and his ability when he was getting pressure up the middle, knowing what to do with the football. And I, I think that the, the credit goes to his coaching staff there. Kyler, abs- you know, knowing what to do with the football. But once you got off those scripted plays, once you got deeper into the game, he didn't know what, where to dump it off. He didn't know where, hey, if the pressure's coming from here, I'm going there. The pressure's coming from there, I'm going here. He didn't have that same because right, he was hitting, he was firing on all cylinders in the, on the first couple drives. He was fighting Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz disappeared in the second half of the game. Indy, give credit to them for taking him away. And then Zach Ertz, you figure out in Kyler Murray what the heck happened. Uh, but I think Kyler Murray I don't, just needs to be able to make the adjustments when in the team as a whole needs to be able to, they aren't resilient. Like anytime they get punched in the mouth, they cower away. Like, Aside for, aside for maybe the Green Bay game, because I, they had a they were in a prime position to win that game, but they still lost. But they just haven't shown the ability to rebound when things don't go their way. Agreed. And where does that start? That's the main crux of everything that I'm talking about with the leadership of this organization. You think Mike Tomlin has that problem? You think uh, I, I don't know anybody? Like you think Dan Campbell has that problem? People play for him. You can, it's all cool with the cell phone breaks and, and the fruit trays and everything until you need to win. They need an adult in the room, and he's not. That starts with leadership, Bo. It, it does. It's not all his fault, but look at him and look at this team. They are a personification of their head coach. Everything's cool when you're laughing on the sidelines, but then when you have to actually win, when it's winning time, they check out. I think that that's the that's where you look at the risk and the reward of having a true players coach. And you probably if you look back at the old Philly teams with Donovan McNabb and Andy Reid was the head coach, a guy who finally got over the hump in what twenty plus seasons as a head coach, all the success, finally won his first Super Bowl. That that's that's what the risk you, you not having a Belichick type guy or a Saban guy that gets in your ear when you mess up and when things are going awry, like doesn't start just screaming and, and getting in people's faces because that's what non-player coaches do. And, Players and coaches don't win championships. Um, I mean... Bill Belichick and a player's coach. I, he's I think, your boss. It's not I supposed to Doug, be your friend. Doug Peterson probably, I mean, was more of a player's coach. I mean, you can look at that as maybe a, a fluky Super Bowl victory. Philly's just the entire man. run. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, thinking back, I mean, Reed won one. But he also had Patrick Mahomes, and he has all that talent in, in KC. You know, I, I, it's an interesting debate. I mean, John Harbaugh is a player's coach, but he's respected. It's the Ravens. It's different. They have a culture there. They have a winning culture there. They have a rock-solid – say what you want about Ozzie Newsom, but Ozzie Newsom was great for a long time. You know, they have – I mean, they Eric Picasso and Ozzie Newsom, yeah. like those GMs, you, you more consistency and, and putting just talent from top to bottom in an organization, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better team than the Ravens. Right, but I mean, it's easy. It's kind of a cop-out, and you kind of have to use this because of how great they were. Bill Belichick's won 100 Super Bowls. They've been in every Super Bowl. So it's easy to say player, players' coaches don't win Super Bowls because Bill Belichick is a curmudgeon, and that's what head coaches used to be like. But when you, you think see- Bill Parcells was a player's coach? Yeah, but you see how poorly they win in Jacksonville. I mean, when when it goes bad, that's what it looks like. That's what, what when you talk about guy, Urban? Yeah, when a guy tries to say, hey, it's my way or the highway. Mm. Yeah, you know, I think that that's, but also that's that's he was went from coaching amateurs 
air quotes, if you're listening on the podcast, amateurs, college football players, mm-hmm. and uh, and pros, and guys that probably make close close to or mo- more money than you, and you're going to start, you know, this power trip. It's not going to work in the NFL unless you're established like Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick was get he's able to get buy-in. And I just don't know if, if this day and age, in this caliber of player, if you can get the buy-in. It's just, it's tough. But... Arizona Cardinals got to get, they have to do something. Let's get our final thoughts as far as the Christmas loss 22 16 to the Indianapolis Colts. Looking at a couple snap counts. We're looking at a couple first rounders for the Arizona Cardinals who made zero impact in this game. And if they got anything from them, you know, I think that they could have come out of there with a W. It's Bo Brock, Alex Clancy. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On AZ Cards, at Bob Rack, and at Clancy's Corner. The conversation continues there on the bird. Uh, Bet Online has it covered. All season long, going into the playoffs with props, odds, lines, more than ever before. And football continues to march, and college bowl season is upon us. Bet online's your number one spot for all your sports action this season. Head over to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to receive your bonus from hoops, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of these amazing offers available for the 2021. In 2022 season, bet online the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts. Absolutely brutal Christmas <laughs> for the Phoenix sports fans yesterday. I mean, talk about undermanned. Golden State Warriors were undermanned. They weren't at full strength and they blow the doors off the Suns. And then right after that, you turn on the Cardinals game. And next thing you know, you're seeing an undermanned Colts team and Carson Wentz turn back the clock somehow and, and put together a, a back-breaking drive. I mean, that's got to be as frustrating as it gets for Arizona Cardinals fans. When you look at all these, when you look at the losses as they start to pile up, a team that was 10-2 and two is now 10-5. and five. What's been the most frustrating loss of the season? <sighs> I mean, most frustrating and most impactful are pro- the most frustrating is probably Green Bay because that's where they could have really put the stamp on everything. If you know, if that ball doesn't get intercepted, they're at least going to overtime, right? Like it's it, it's that they had no business winning that game, and then they come back, they keep it close, they keep Aaron Rodgers at bay, and they have this drive out of their own end zone. What was it? Third and for hunt, third and forever out of their own end zone, and he finds AJ Green for a chunk play. Kyler does. They march down the field. And, you know, the interception, that was the most frustrating because they had it in their hands. But the most deflating was Detroit. I mean, Detroit is going to be the loss that people are going to remember. Sure. And and we'll, let's get to this really quickly. They can still clinch a playoff spot today. Again, we're recording the playoffs. The morning games just started. Uh, before we get out of here, let's look at a little bit of bright side here. Um, where we got it? It's right here. Uh, so there's a couple different ways. Sorry about this. This is from Jeremy Clough from AZ Central. Obviously, this was done before the game, so obviously they didn't beat the Colts. Um, San Francisco was lost on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. So what the Cardinals need is the Eagles to lose, the Vikings to lose, or the Saints to lose, and the Cardinals are in. So obviously it's going to be kind of counterproductive if the Vikings lose because they're playing the Rams. That pretty much gives the Rams it gives the Rams a full game lead in the division. Uh, it's funny how... You know, the NFL just continues to uh, be a mind F for everybody where the Cardinals had a stranglehold on the division. So, but still, if the Cardinals 
if the Rams beat the Vikings, the Cardinals are in, but pretty much shores up the fact that the Cardinals are not going to get a home game and they're going to be the five, six, or seven seed. Um, and then the Saints and the Eagles. The Eagles are playing the the Giants, who are starting Jake Fromm, I believe. So the chances of the Eagles winning is is probably pretty high. So and, and then uh, the Saints um, are undermanned. I don't even know who they're. Oh, they're starting Ian Book today. Yeah, I think Former they're starting Ian Book. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's probably an, another good chance. So the Cardinals most likely will clinch a playoff spot today. But this is the back into the playoffs that you didn't think was even fathomable you know, 10 or 12 weeks through the season. Yeah. You root for the Vikings against the Rams. You just do that. I mean, just do see so you get in and then yeah. everything else. So, but you lose, they had all of the moment. They had all of the control in they the did. NFC. They had all yeah. the control. They relinquished then, it. Yeah. It's awful. A uh, couple takeaways here. When you look at, you know, I, I thought that Vance Joseph's defensive scheme you know, the third down where Carson Wentz converted into a touchdown in the red zone. That can't happen. I don't know why he rushed nobody. And the coverage broke down. But they did a good job against Jonathan Taylor. They kept him out of the end zone, didn't they? Went over 100 yards. Uh, he had a big run, but for the most part, they're creating negative plays against Jonathan Taylor. He was showing why he's special. A couple of the ones he he got out of uh, you know arm tackles and stuff like that. But I thought the Arizona Cardinals did a relatively good job against Jonathan Taylor. So to pretty much do your job in that department, and still lose and say, hey, Carson Wentz, we're going to make you beat him, beat us. And he did. That stings. But then also you look at, you know, Marco Wilson gets hurt in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, Antonio Hamilton is a guy that's going to have to play some big downs for this team potentially going forward. Talk about crying over spilt milk. Seeing Razul Douglas, who is on this team's practice squad this season, thrive in Green Bay, mm-hmm. that sucks. And then, you know, Isaiah Simmons, Avon Collins, I'm, Isaiah Simmons was one of the brightest spots on this roster to start the season and with their hot start. And he plays 57% of the snaps, like more criticism of, of VJ. Like what's going on? Why are you not putting Isaiah Simmons out there? Why am I seeing Joe Walker play big snaps at, at linebacker and fall down on Mo Alley Cox and him get big games on second and third down? Where is Isaiah Simmons? Where is Zayvon Collins? I, I don't understand. They're not like I, I, we. And Joe Walker is. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I that mean, feels. You know what that feels like? That feels like the Steve Wilkes era, where he pulled David Johnson on a crucial, mm-hmm. you know, third and Chicago. Short. Yeah, yeah. And it's like to after missing a, a blocking assignment. Yeah. At this point, if you're going to be a players' coach and you're going and you're going to empower them. Get them out there. I mean, unless they're out there taking plays off, which I don't think they are. I mean, if they're in the wrong spot, let them learn. I'd rather see Isaiah Simmons screw up, Zayvon Collins screw up on the field, than Joe Walker screw yeah. up because he has no business being on an NFL roster. Yeah, that's really good. That's a really good point. Um, it's We take information as we see it, okay? Yes, Vance Joseph was an absolute... Stud play caller, Cliff Kingsbury, stud play caller, Steve Keim, great acquisition of talent, even though he's terrible at, you know, deeming talent coming out of the draft. All of those things were true until midway through the season when you started to see injuries happen. It's like, oh no, there's no backup plan. Sure, this team is top heavy, but it's more spread out. There's better players, but without Randy Hudson, the offensive line is nothing. Well, yeah. what did Indianapolis do with all their backups? Oh, wait, 
you draft players in the fourth and fifth round and they play like backups because they can play football still. You're not pulling people off the scrap heap. And you look at just like that. Hey, look, you draft at eight and 16 overall respectively in 2020 and 2021 to linebackers that can't see the damn field in week 16. What are we doing here, Steve? Like yeah. Steve Keim was GM of the year through 10 weeks because things were working. He's not anymore. And we're looking at 2019, 2020 and the f- should have been fired already. Steve Keim things change. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at the, t- the last two draft classes and they couldn't have, you know, pivoted and gone in- and trended it in different directions. At the beginning of the season, you're like, Oh man, Isaiah Simmons balling out like eighth overall starting to make sense. All the panic yep. in the first season was for not Josh Jones. He's, you know, his win rate, his win rate is incredible. Look at him. He can play guard. He can play tackle. He has three penalties, crucial penalties. Fourth and fourth and one goes to fourth and six. Uh, you know, you look at those draft classes like, oh, no, it looks pretty good now. Now you're like, no, it doesn't look good. It is what we thought it was. You know, Steve Keim continues to be a problem as far as finding Byron Murphy. Makers. Yeah. What do, Ron- think, what do you think about Byron Murphy? Because that's he's CB1. You still think he is. He's not getting burned like crazy. But he's not. It's there was hard one, to deem. There was one guy that you had to take care of. Michael Pittman. He had a big game. Um, mm-hmm. And when it's like you need to take care of one guy, that's what your CB one does. Uh, I, I'm not so much concerned about him because I know that he's got a lot on his plate now with with the absence of Robert Alford and Marco Wilson is is another draft pick who's trending in the wrong direction after popping and flashing early on. So it's just. These guys are Steve Kime has built a great sprint unit, but That's as good far way to put as it. If, yeah. if 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 it's if you're running a longer race than that, they're done. Yeah. They got to figure it out. They got to figure out a way to re-energize and and figure it out. And if you know, I thought was who's our guy that point that had did our homework for us on Twitter, uh, Ryan. You know, since even at his Texas Tech days, there hasn't been one season where he's finished strong. And, uh, I mean, at this point, it, you know, if there, there is, there is a path to two and O to finish the next two games, but I'd be, I think everybody'd be shocked. Yeah. I got a text from one of our friends here in the locked on NFL portion of the locked on podcast network saying the Cardinals finished with 10 wins. Yes or no. I texted back. Yes. Cause give me a reason why you think that they're going to win any other games. This isn't being pessimistic. This is looking at what we're seeing and not having some sort of smokescreen thinking that, you know, Cliff Kingsbury is going to be like, this is just going to turn around. If they can win in Dallas, all eyes are going to be on that game. You know why? Because those two teams look like the biggest pretenders in the NFC. And we're going to find out whoever loses that game is going to be laughed into the playoffs because they're both going to make it. But that will be a, if the Cardinals lose by two touchdowns against the Cowboys, I mean, what more do you need to see? When do we stop looking at win loss record and look at and look at the puppeteer and the puppet master of the puppeteer? You know, sooner rather than later. This is where the being happy to be here thing gets really stale. Yeah, it's it's where you could look at the stats that are going to tell you one thing. You know, Cliff Kingsbury has improved win win wise each year. Offense has improved, but you can poke holes in it because if you just watch the game and if you look how they f- start and how they finish, you know, it's, it's a moot point. If, if, if you're continuing to lose, you know, you don't make the playoffs, you fell short, you had an you know, incredible opportunity to beat C.J. Beathard and uh, John Wolford to get in, 
and you don't. I know you're you're using Strebler in that game, but I mean, and and then and you miss it. It, it takes forever to clinch. I mean, I, there there is something. I mean, we talk about the uh, what was it the the test anxiety. Maybe he does suffer from some sort of you know coaching test anxiety. Where Thank you just, for that. Just, My favorite line from Daniel Tosh's stand up ever is. Oh, you're a bad test taker? You mean you're stupid. Because all you need to do is have the information to get a good grade on the test. No, you're not a bad test taker. You're stupid. Thank you, Daniel Tosh, for that. Oh, and both for setting me up for that yeah. as we wrap up. We've got uh, we've got a fun week of shows. We're going to talk to some pretty dialed-in Cowboys uh, hosts uh, in Landon McCool and Marcus Mosier. That's going to be a great conversation. Can't wait for that. Can't wait to continue this convo. We might even be doing some – we might even get in the same room. I don't know. Might be a very special Locked On Cardinals uh, here at the end of the week. We'll see. But we mm-hmm. appreciate everybody. Thank you for, for tuning into our, our Christmas coverage and then today's coverage. Happy holidays, everybody. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen and uh, you know making 2021 so special for Alex and myself and for the podcast network. We will talk to you tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Not a victory Monday. Picking up the pieces once again. Got to figure it out. This Cardinals team not trending right. We'll talk to you then. It's Bo and Alex. Follow on Twitter at Lockdown Easy Cards.